Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. For those of you who are Packer fans, what better way to kick off a holiday weekend than by taking a few minutes today to completely roast the Chicago Bears. If you are a Bears fan and you are upset that I am talking about your upcoming failure in the 2023 season, well, take solace in the fact that this is actually my second time recording this video because the first time I did it, it did not record audio whatsoever. So uh, I guess you can take some sort of victory in that. And let me just start by saying, I actually like a lot of the things that the Chicago Bears are doing and the way that things are trending for them. So I will get to that as we go along this. I think you're going to hear actually a lot of complimentary information, but I do expect the Bears in some capacity to fail in 2023 once again. Now, what failure looks like is in the eye of the beholder. Maybe the Bears win seven games this season and going from three wins and the worst team in football a season ago to seven wins this season could be a significant positive step, especially if Justin Fields plays very, very well. So maybe that's not a quote unquote failure overall, but the way that Bears fans have been talking about this team as a potential contender for the NFC North and as a team that is clearly going to be a playoff team and all those sorts of things, what I would like to say is pump the brakes because I do think down the road there's a t- you know chance for this Bears team to succeed with the direction that they're heading in right now. When I say down the road, I'm saying maybe next year, the following year, but 2023 is not going to be that year. We're going to go over why exactly today. Let me remind you once again, Bears fans, that you were the worst team in football a season ago. The single worst team in the NFL was you. You finished three and 14 on the season. You have not won a football game since week seven of last year, October 24th, to be precise, against the Bailey Zappi led New England Patriots on Monday Night Football, October 24th, week seven, 2022. You upset the 49ers in week one, a very nice win. A win I don't think anyone was, was expecting, a win that cost the uh, a lot of uh, Survivor Pool fans a, a uh, early loss in week one last year. 
nice win. Not going to take anything away from it. I don't think that was the ultimate San Francisco 49ers team that they would eventually become, but not taking anything away. That was an impressive performance week one. You got the win. You beat the second worst team in football, the Houston Texans, in week three by a whopping three points. All right, things are going great. You're two and one on the season. That loss in the middle was to the Green Bay Packers, by the way, but we don't need to talk about that. And then you crush the New England Patriots. The Bailey Zappi led New England Patriots 33 to 14 in week seven. And that was your last one of the season. After that, you reeled off 10 consecutive losses. The final six games of the season was a combined score of 189 to 85 that you were on the losing end of. One of those games was kind of competitive. The other five were basically total blowouts, at least by the end of the game, 189 to 85. Now, a lot of times when you see a team make a jump from one year to the next, what you see is a team that showed some signs of progress at the end of the previous season that show that they are capable of winning in the NFL. And I'm here to remind you and to tell you that the Chicago Bears did nothing of the sort. And you could say, well, part of the reason is they weren't exactly trying to win football games. They, you know, they, they kind of did a little bit of a tank thing, except they went out and they traded for Chase Claypool. Justin Fields is still playing in games. Like there were some players that certainly were missing at the end of the year, and I'm sure they weren't super upset with getting the first overall pick, but this was not a team that was on full on tank mode, especially when they make the trade for Chase Claypool. Thank you for that trade, by the way. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. So why were the Chicago Bears so bad a season ago? Let's look at some of their rankings. They were 23rd in scoring offense. They were 32nd in scoring defense, the worst scoring defense in the NFL. 28th in yards per game on offense. 29th in yards per game on defense allowed. 30th in completion percentage on offense. 28th in yards per pass attempt on offense. 32nd in passing yards per game. 130 and a half passing yards per game in 2022 in a modern NFL, 130.5 passing yards per game. 32nd in the NFL, which goes without saying, the worst passing attack in all of football. 32nd in interception percentage. So despite not throwing the ball very often, the interception ratio and interception rate was still the worst in the NFL. 32nd in sack percentage. So despite not throwing the ball a ton, the worst team in the league in sack percentage allowed. 32nd in opponents yard per pa- yards per pass. So you were the worst passing offense and the worst passing defense. That is a tough thing to do in a very competitive modern NFL. 31st in defensive sack percentage. So you never got to the quarterback on defense. And 21st in turnover percentage. You were a good running team in large part due to your quarterback running the football, which is still fine. He's a playmaker, no two ways about it. But in large part due to your quarterback running the football, you were a very good running team and you didn't have very many penalties. So kudos to you for that. Everything else basically sucked. And that's why you were the worst team in football a season ago. Now, no major coaching changes were made this off season. And there were certainly some changes to personnel, which we're going to go over in just a moment. You wouldn't expect coaching changes in just Eberflus's second season as head coach, but there was no big scheme change or anything like that. And I want to make a couple notes to Chicago Bear fans and just interject here for just a moment. I actually loved 
the direction that you took as if like as a fan of the NFL, as a fan of watching teams do smart things, not as a Packer fan, but as a general NFL fan, I love the direction that you took in 2022. You jettisoned a lot of older players, the Khalil Max of the world. You moved on from Roquan Smith. You got off of some contracts. You took on as much possible future draft capital as you could get your hands on. You did the smart thing up until the Chase Claypool trade, which was super dumb. And we're super thankful of you for doing that because the Packers were trying to do the same dumb thing at the exact same time. But that worked out terribly. That would have been the 32nd overall pick in the draft had you not done that trade, which could have been used in a variety of different ways that would have been better than Chase Claypool. But outside of that move and outside of kind of trying to do the Larry Joby thing a season ago where you signed him to a big deal, which would not have changed your record at all. And it just would have taken some of your salary cap space away. He was a nice player in Pittsburgh, but that actually ended up working out in your favor that he ended up whatever failing the physical and ending up in Pittsburgh. Outside of those couple of things, the fact that you went in a full rebuild direction and ripped the Band-Aid, I thought was super smart. I like that. I actually think that Justin Fields showed some promise in 2022, and I expect him to take another step in 2023. And individually, the moves that you made in 2023, if all of them were in a vacuum, adding guys like an Andrew Billings, adding a Terrell Edmonds, or Tremaine Edmonds, excuse me, um, adding uh, you know Darnell Wright in the draft, like a lot of the the moves that you made on an individual basis, getting DJ Moore, I liked. There's a lot of things to like about what you've done this offseason. But, but, and it's a huge but, you had the first overall pick in the draft and you had $100 million in salary cap space. And you ended up with a right tackle, a couple off-ball linebackers, a nice receiver in DJ Moore and future draft capital. And individually, I don't hate any of those things. The trade down, I actually thought was a overall a good move. I really like Darnell Wright coming out of the draft. DJ Moore paired with Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, that's going to be a fun wide receiver core. Justin Fields absolutely needed a weapon like DJ Moore. There were no great free agent wide receivers available. So I can understand why getting a DJ Moore back was such a huge piece of that potential deal. I Like I said, I really like Darnell Wright. I think that was a nice selection at pick 10 individually in a vacuum, every one of those moves I can understand, I can get behind, I can make sense of. On the whole, on the aggregate, when I went into this offseason as a Packer fan and as a fan of how teams build their rosters, I went into this thinking, okay, this could be bad as a Packer fan. They have $100 million in free agent money to spend and the first overall pick in the draft. And even if they trade down or do some things like this could be a team that puts some serious pieces together. I'll say it one more time. Individually, I don't mind any of the moves. But if you would have told me going into that point that with $100 million and the first overall pick, they left with Darnell Wright, DJ Moore, a couple off-ball linebackers, a few small pieces here and there, and some future draft capital, sign me the heck up as a Packer fan for that every single time. It could have been a lot more painful. Thought missing on Mike McGlinchey was probably the first thing that kind of went wrong, which then made you kind of draft a right tackle. You didn't address edge rusher basically at all. Like, yes, you ended up getting what? Rasheem Green, you got Demarcus Walker. That's not good enough for the worst pass rush team basically in football a season ago. There were a lot of things that this team could have addressed and got better with. And I don't necessarily think that they did that. And I understand that there's a lot of future draft capital still coming. And I like some of the moves that were made, but on the aggregate, on everything all combined, 
I don't know. It, it didn't really move. Like it wasn't earth shattering. It didn't move the needle all that far for me. So individually, a lot of solid moves collectively. It was fine. It was fine. It was, it could have been a lot worse as a Packer fan. It could have been a lot better if you're a bear fan. Now the trade was good. Uh, and the trade I'm specifically talking about here is moving down from one to nine, picking up the ninth overall pick, picking up a second rounder, picking up a first rounder next year, which could be extremely valuable. I think they get a second rounder as well in 2025. You pick up DJ Moore, like that is a good overall value. I have no overall issues with the thought process and what you did in that situation. But you did miss on, in my opinion, a couple real premium edge rushers in Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. And even if you could have got down to nine and then up what to seven to get a Tyree Wilson, that would have been you know ingenious in my opinion. I love Tyree Wilson in that draft. But missing on those edge rushers, when you are now going to go with Travis Gibson, Demarcus Walker, Rasheem Green, and Dominique Robinson as your primary edge rushers on the outside, that is a really tough pill to swallow. That is a brutal edge rusher group. And do they have the interior pass rush to get over that? No, not at all. Justin Jones on the inside has not been a sack specialist to say the least. Andrew Billings, more of a rundown, you know, run-stopping defensive tackle. You get Dexter and Pickens in the second and third rounds, expecting them to be your primary pass rushers and come in and change things, I think would be a lot to ask. That is going to be a major issue again for a team that did absolutely nothing to generate a pass rush a season ago. The secondary struggled last season. We talked about 32nd in you know uh, passing defense or at least yards per pass attempt in large part because you couldn't get to the quarterback. And yes, you add Tyreek Stevenson in the second round. Gordon's going to take a, a step from last year. Uh, Jalen Johnson's a phenomenal player. I love that selection from a couple seasons ago. He's going to continue to get better. That secondary, Brisker's going to be good. You still have Eddie Jackson. That secondary has the opportunity to be good but they were awful a season ago. And in, that was because you couldn't rush the passer. And I see nothing out of this team that gives me any belief that you're going to be able to rush the passer any better in 2023. That's going to be a major, major issue. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. 
Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Now, from an overall transaction standpoint, if you're looking at why this team is going to be better in some capacity, you lose David Montgomery that's fine. You lose Nicholas Morrow. That's totally fine. There's no major loss from this team from a season ago that you're losing any sleepover. And you gain Tremaine Edmonds. You gain TJ Edwards. You gain Nate Davis, who I think was a really good signing. Rasheem Green, Dante Foreman, Demarcus Walker, Robert Tunyon, Andrew Billings. Nah, it's fine. Whatever. Overall, you, you certainly gained more than you lost from a free agency standpoint. That's going to help. That's going to make you better in 2023. In the draft, you get Darnell Wright, who I mentioned really, really like. That's going to shore up the offensive line. Put Nate Davis next to Darnell Wright on the right side. I'm assuming that's what you're going to do. Even if it's Jenkins and Darnell Wright, wherever you put those guards, it should work. Cody Whitehair at center is going to work. You know, I, Overall, this offensive line, I think, can be much better than they were a season ago. That is a positive. Darnell Wright in the first round. You get Dexter and Pickens in the second and third round. You get Tyreek Stevenson in the second round. It's going to help the defense a little bit, but not the pass rush all that much. Roshan Johnson and, and Tyler Scott in the fourth rounds, I thought was a gorgeous, gorgeous fourth round. That I don't know what more you could possibly want in the fourth round than two potential playmakers at running back and wide receiver. Noah Sewell I liked in the fifth round. I'm not going to pretend to have hot takes on Terrell Smith, Travis Bell, or Kendall Williams. I'm sure some will work out, some will not. doesn't really matter. Not the point of our conversation today. Overall, some nice pieces picked up in the draft, some nice pieces picked up in free agency, but my question for you is what are opposing teams going to ultimately be afraid of? Let's look at this depth chart for a second because, again, I'll give you compliments. I like the overall pieces on this team individually. I just don't know that there's anything that's scaring me all that much. I do expect Justin Fields to take a step. The trio of Herbert and Dante Foreman and Roshan Johnson have the potential to be a really nice trio at running back, but nothing I'm losing sleep over. DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney on the outsides, stretching the defense. That has the ability to be very potent. And if those two can stretch the defense enough, and if Justin Fields can hit them down the field, that's going to open things up for Claypool and Cole Komet, maybe a little bit of Robert Tunyon mixed in. The running game will certainly be a benefit, or, you know, benefit beneficiary of that. Easy for me to say. And then Justin Fields is certainly going to find more places to scramble and run around as well. So those two safeties have to stay deep because of DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney on the outside. Not to mention, you know, Tyler Scott, Vilas Jones can potentially stretch the field as well. That's going to make things better for this offense. We talked about the offensive line, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, and then uh, Darnell Wright. That should be really, really nice. Larry Borum as a swing tackle should be positive. Like that is a positive outlook for this offense. And I think they're heading in the right direction. Defensively though, 
man, we talked about the edge rushers, Billings, Jones, and then uh, Dexter and Pickens on the inside. Meh, it's fine. Off-ball linebackers should be good. The trio of Edwards, Edmonds, and Sanborn should be a really nice group at off-ball linebacker. Then again, you pick up Noah Sewell. I re- even really like Dylan Cole as a special teams guy and backup off-ball, you know, off-ball linebacker. We talked about the secondary, Tyler Gordon in the slot. You've got now probably Tyreek Stevenson along with Jalen Johnson on the outside. There's a lot of potential there. Brisker and Jackson at safety. I like your secondary. I like your off-ball linebackers, but if you can't do anything up front, meaning stop the run and rush the passer with your you know interior defensive linemen and edge rushers, it's going to make things very, very challenging. Special teams should be totally fine. And I'll say it one more time. What am I losing sleep over? Justin Fields in some capacity. Even if he doesn't take a major step as a passer, his rushing ability is going to make me lose some sleep at night as a defensive coordinator. And if he gets even remotely better as a passer, he has the ability to threaten off, threaten opposing defenses at any given moment with his legs and with his arm. He's got a great deep ball. Um, he just needs to be a little bit more accurate. And I do think he's going to take that step. I really, really do. The outside wide receivers and Mooney and DJ Moore, certainly I'm going to have to be cognizant of and figure that out. Outside of that, there's nothing that I'm losing much sleep over. Your high-end players, stars win in this league. Your superstars are the players that ultimately are going to make or break you as a team. I don't see it right now. And maybe that transition to Justin Fields as a star to superstar happens. And if so, that's one. DJ Moore, maybe a star, maybe. Like a lot, there's a lot of DJ Moore's at wide receiver in this league, but he's still very, very good football player. And if you want to call him a star, I'm not going to argue with you. So you have that on the outside as well. Where are your other stars? I don't think there are really any at this moment. And Jalen Johnson, maybe, but again, it's counterfeit by the fact you can't get to the quarterback. I don't know. I don't see a lot of stars on this team. And maybe some players take a step, maybe a brisker, right? Maybe a Tyler Gordon, maybe he takes a step. Yeah, I think the offensive line can be better. Maybe Cole Komet finally takes a step. T- tight end is a notoriously slow position for players to you know become really good at. But I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see those players that are ultimately going to be game-changing, game-breaking players on the whole on this team. Are they improved? Yes. I think they're going to have a lot more opportunity to improve next year with maybe two top 10 picks. I would actually argue with you Bear fans that you might be better off being a five and you know what, 12, five and 12 team this season. That's not the worst thing in the world. I don't think the Panthers are going to be beating the doors off of people either. If you can end up with another, you know, two top 10 picks next year, now you're starting to cook with gas a little bit. I like what you've been doing. You're heading in the right direction, but don't rush it. And certainly don't be talking that much smack when you are the worst team in football a season ago and you finish the season 0-10, losing those games by a combined net over 100 points. Not a great look. You're still in a very good place long-term right now. It's certainly dependent upon what Justin Fields does. You've got some really fun players. You need to develop some of those fun players into stars. And that's my biggest concern with you as a team right now. There's a chance Justin Fields can be legitimately very, very good, but you were extremely awful a season ago, like really, 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 really bad. And you added a good wide receiver, some nice pieces, a couple off-ball linebackers, a really nice right tackle rookie, that's not going to get you all of a sudden to 10, 11 wins. This is a wide open NFC North. I get it. But at the end of the day, I expect this to be closer to a six or seven at best win team for Chicago in 2023. In 2024, we could be having a very different conversation, but I expect this to sort of be your same old Chicago Bears this season. By the way, if the Bears are in the playoffs, 
this uh, episode may not be out there still uh, come January or February. It might be harder to find. So I want to, you know, bookmark a couple things here now because uh, I might have to delete this if the Bears end up making the playoffs. I'm just kidding. I don't delete anything. I'll own it. I will gladly own it and give you your uh, flowers if that ends up happening. Just don't see it happening in 2023. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate it. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an episode, uh, you know, tearing down the Minnesota Vikings in a similar way. Actually, I'm going to be much more harsh to the Vikings, I think, than I'm going to be to the Bears because the Bears are opening a window. At least they're trying to down the road. The Vikings, they're in no man's land. So that's going to be even a little bit more fun. Join me for that. See you tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.